Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Welcome back to Parts Unknown, the wrestling podcast that trawls through the WrestleMania archives so you don't have to. This week, we're putting WrestleMania 16, nay 2000, under the microscope, and boy, it ain't pretty. We've got Hose, we've got Chester McCheeserton, we've got a McMahon in every corner in the main event. Yep, this is by some distance the worst WrestleMania we've encountered so far. It may be the worst 3 hours and 21 minutes I've ever spent with WWE in my three decades of watching the product. But I didn't watch it alone. Anton Tolui, Karl Anka, Carrie Dunn, you were all paid to watch this too. Make a sound for how you felt at the nadir of sports entertainment. Oh. <laughs> Things get off to a bad start. They don't really recover. Normally, we go for like our favourite match or the biggest match first, but we're going to start at the start. Um, Carrie, what did you make of Ice-T and the Godfather's entrance? Hoes start running when they see his car. Grab your bitches. Pimping ain't easy. Apparently not. Um, yeah. We saw the Godfather at Mania 17 um, being all right to sensory here. He was um, right to... To grab bitches, Carl, it was um, kind of strange. Something I found really interesting was when when Charles Wright was inducted into the Hall of Fame, he was inducted in as the Godfather. And then I had quite a big discussion with my friend on the, right, okay, I can understand he's in the Hall of Fame based on longevity and what he's done. Surely you shouldn't induct him as the Godfather, as the pimp. And then he responded, well, what else do you put him in as the racist Papa Shango? <laughs> The good father? I was like, oh, these are all... He's played a lot of bad characters, hasn't he? And he's quite proud of it because he owns a strip club, doesn't he? Cheaters. Uh, is that, that's his day job. Um, yeah. We don't need to talk too much about the match against uh, Bull Buchanan and the boss man. D'Lo Brown was Godfather's partner. Boss man recovered remarkably well, having been hung by The Undertaker a year prior, which we'll talk about next week. I want to talk a little bit, Anton, about Bull Buchanan. He's one of these random characters who's going to pop up that people might not know too much about. Uh, Once B2, seen as lackey, um, he was just a sort of big dude who was there for a bit. Have you got anything more to add to that? He looked like Phil Mitchell trying to be in The Shield. Didn't he, really? (laughs) (laughs) He was kind of agile like he could jump up to the top rope like that but then when he was on the top rope you'll in this match you'll see one of the worst and I think, yeah this is this match one of the worst sorts of fall from the top rope onto your onto your thighs make it look like your balls you'll ever see because he kind of just stumbles along yeah he was awkward in the ring um he was always someone's lackey and just was just this unit that was just there but no one ever really wanted him there not the worst thing about this, but I thought Ice T's performance was pretty rubbish. Bimbin ain't easy. Bimbin ain't easy. Just change the tone of your voice, man. You know, you're supposed to be singing or rapping. Just put some enthusiasm into it. You've been paid a lot of money. This is Ice T in 2000 as well. Uh, oh, I was chuckling to myself because Ice T now does CSI Cyber. So, yeah. Ice- and feuds with Katie Hopkins. Yeah, yeah. It, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what I, once again, I'll say. 
WWE will never understand hip hop or rap music. So when it does pop up, it's just bizarre. So it started badly and then it went downhill. I don't think I understood prostitution either, though, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. So Boss Man and Buchanan win. And then the Godfather's clients, his employees, Scarpa. And then that's the end of it. Also, it's the, so they're obviously big boss man, policeman, kind of you know, sort of security element and that kind of thing. They they've been builders. They've got no sense of humour. No, they're stopping an illegal profession <laughs> from taking place in the ring, mate. What's how are they? How are they the bad guys? What's going on? Luckily, after this, we went on to the uh, enthralling catches catch can clinic that would have made Luthers and, and George Hackenschmidt proud. The hardcore battle royal, 15 minutes, as many title changes as, as were necessary, about a gazillion, well, nine in total. Some real Hall of Fame bound <laughs> guys in this. The Mean Street Posse, Crash and Hardcore Holly, Funaki, Viscera, the Headbangers. Um, Carrie, the Mean Street Posse, remember them? They no. were they were they were Shane's mates. No, uh, no, I don't. I the... literally sat here on Wikipedia for this entire match, going, I don't know who these people are. I don't remember them. Two of them were Shane's mates. One of them was a wrestler. Basically, uh, they came into the company to bleed. Pete Gas and Rodney, someone. Just Rodney. Yeah. Pete Gas and Rodney. Um, yeah, they bled a lot in this match. A lot of people bled in this match. It was pretty gross. It was awful. It, it's it's a. So I love a gauntlet match. I think a gauntlet match is one of the best ways you can introduce a title to product. So you'll be like, 20 minutes, six or minutes, or we have this many competitors. Whoever is the champion at the end of it is the champion. But it, it's entirely broken. Like, there's a very early on, Crash Holly is pinned by Taz. And then rather than everyone go to attack Taz, there's just a bit where six or seven people are outside on the edge of the ring just beating each other up with kitchen trays. I'm going, no, Taz has the title. Beat him up. You need to beat him to win. And the ring psychology is all broken because no one is attacking the person with the title. Even in the dying seconds, it's only really between Taz, Crash Hoddy, and and uh, Hardcore Hoddy to, to get the title. I'm like, do you not understand? You have to tag that guy, not just beat each other up over the head. Not, nothing happens. Did you enjoy the bit where Taz went for a pin, even though he was the champ at that point? Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. <laughs> there, there was a very there's a like, I, I detest hardcore Holly. I cannot stand him. I, when I was a child, I hated him, and then grew up, and I found out loads of things about how he hazed all these rookies and was just he's just a general repellent human being. So I can't stand him. You can see it in the match. There's a, he's getting involved, and when he when things when he, yeah, there's a moment where ta, when Taz is pinning, and he, he's supposed to break up the pin, and he just starts booting Taz yeah, for no reason. Just kicks him in the head, in the middle of Taz going for a pin, and then doesn't begin a fight. No, just walks off to like break up a pin. Just kicks him out. I'm going. You're disgusting. I hate you. <laughs> he was involved in the end. How how Did botched they, was this end? They massively fucked that up, didn't they? So so. Hardcore is supposed to be pinning Crash after he smashes him over the head with a jar of candy. Um, And they kind of mistime it and it doesn't quite work. The announcers don't know what's going on. The ref's not sure. Neither man is sure. It was the perfect end to a match like this, wasn't it? Just just fucked up. It was was an utter, utter mess. Uh, None of the match made sense. The ending didn't make sense. The referee didn't know whether to go and get the belt, who to give it to at the end of... Just so I'm assuming 
So what happens is Taz has Crash Holly in the Taz mission. Then Hardcore Holly runs in, smashes Crash Holly over the head with a jar of Snickers, goes to pin Crash Holly. The three count happens. Now, when I watched it, I assumed the three count happens after the end of the 15 minutes. So Crash wins the title, but simply because he escaped, because as JR wonderfully describes him as the Houdini of Hardcore. Crash Holly's thing was, I may not be the biggest or strongest, but I can escape all these very weird things I've put in for the 24-hour rule. Um, and yeah, it, it doesn't happen within a time limit. You get Crash run off with the title. Hardcore's just sort of stood there going, no, I've won the title. There's also the fact that JR thinks Crash Holly kicked out. You know, this is repellent. Give Crash the title. But the ref's also doing the streak out over Taz, so he can't quite put his arm down because Taz's thighs are too big. It's does, an, does, does it is an does. absolute shit show, isn't it? Let's be brutally honest. <laughs> I sort of wonder if this is worse than what we've seen before. TNA versus Al Snow and Steve Blackman with Chester McCheeserton. Uh, TNA, Test and Albert, Test somebody we spoke about last week. Albert, also known as the hip-hop hippo at one stage in his WWE career. Um, now the, the King Dinger down at the Performance Centre, the head trainer. What's going on here? Somebody dressed as a cheese carry, like a, a Swiss piece of cheese, I believe it was. One of those ones with holes in. Um, funny? No. <laughs> no, not funny. Al Snow is terrible. Was he ever good? No. 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 He's terrible. He's awful in the ring. He's awful as a promo. And he just gives me the creeps. And I don't like watching him on I my television. I think he's an XT now. Is he not? I don't think so. I'm going to say no, no. He was. He was. He was the trainer on Tough Enough, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There it is. That's where I'm confused. Um, yeah, he's in that perfect. I was a mid carder, and now I'm pretty good at teaching other people how to wrestle. But in terms of what he brought to the product, no, I was entirely baffled as to why there was a cheese. I was entirely baffled as to why <laughs> they beat up the cheese afterwards. Oh, the whole thing started with Al Snow in a toilet talking yeah. to the cheese. Talking to the cheese, who is, who is but then. Apparently the cheese was taking a massive dump because the whole toilet stank and Steve Blackman wasn't happy that Al Snow was planning something silly. And, yeah. and, and, then, and, then, the... and then obviously the match started with the ring walk, which was just basically a camera shot of Trish's breasts. Yep. And then cut out to TNA. <laughs> Producer Ben researches these shows thoroughly and he's pointed out that Steve Blackman is now a bail bondsman in the central Pennsylvania area. So he is basically the repo man. Yeah, I wouldn't mess around. With Fact Blackman. of the day. The, the personality vacuum, but he could kick you quite hard, I would imagine. And he'd once beat up JBL. So thanks, mate. <laughs> I got really confused while watching this match. And I was thinking, this is the first WrestleMania when we're watching Reverse Chronological Order, where there's also a WCW product. So I thought, oh, what what are their rivals putting out at the same time? Uh, they had Spring Stampede with DDP versus Jeff Jarrett. And I thought, that's why. This mania isn't quite singing because they don't care. They're that far in front. Well, in terms of the card, we got nine matches at WrestleMania 2000 and only one of them was a singles match and that was the two-minute catfight between Terry Reynolds and the cat, logically involved in a catfight. Um, that match only slightly longer than Val Venus talking about uh, his ejaculate and how many times he'd produced it that day. Um, <laughs> Carl, do you want to revisit your May Young theory? We got some some classic May stuff where she was putting a jumper with a cat over the cat's cat 
Yep. Uh, my note just said, oh, wow, that's just the naked woman. The attitude error sucks. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so that naked woman was pixelated. Was she pixelated on the WrestleMania that went out? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think they they could have gone full muff, certainly, at that time. No, 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 not the because there was clearly side boob and things that was yeah. pixelated. She was in a nude suit at the time, and I believe around about this point in time, Channel 4 used to air free wrestle. We used to air free pay-per-views. And it was around about this point in the attitude era where Channel 4 was getting too many complaints from Ofcom because while these pay-per-views were being broadcast with a 30-second delay, there was too much female nudity and too much suggestive sexual content. Too much Tess and Albert. Yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually it got, it got pulled from Channel 4 and moved on to Sky 1. So that's why in Mania 17, I think JR says hello to our UK viewers in Sky 1. So this is the... It seems like this that made wrestling stop being free in the UK. So the cat uh, would go on to marry Jerry the King Lawler uh, because there's nothing weird She's about a that. Lucky, lucky lady. Yeah, isn't she? yeah. And then she got the Spanish Archer. Uh, uh, he quit. They divorced months later. He came back again. So we've got the cat to thank for having Paul Heyman on commentary at WrestleMania 17. So her legacy in wrestling it does extend to something. Okay, so it gives us that. I mean. I think the thing that makes me laugh most about this, uh, of many things that make me laugh about how terrible this was, is the fact that they actually precede the entire match by saying, well, neither is very experienced as a wrestler. Now, well, why are they at WrestleMania then? <laughs> it's just it's just terrible. And then the fabulous Moolah is there to make it all even worse. <laughs> at least, at least... so wrong about me, Young. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Carrie was very kind to me when I first said I, I think Mae Young's in the joke. And she just gave me a very gentle look and then that three WrestleManias later I just realised how wrong I was awful um, Val Venus I know Val Venus is bad I know Val Venus is not a child friendly star I cannot stop laughing when Val Venus is doing anything were you around for the choppy choppy or pee pee bit oh yes I was <laughs> that was a bad storyline wasn't it our friends at Kai and Tai with their manager who uh, it was around the John Wayne Bobbitt time wasn't it they were trying to cash in on that by uh, saying they were going to cut off his penis yeah Val Venus is an odd one he, now he talks quite a lot about legalising weed um, Val Venus is one of the very few male superstars who seem to no 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 it was part way through that sentence and I realised I was talking <laughs> nonsense yeah let's talk about Val Venus anymore uh, let's talk about some quality matches well, we'll do that next week. We got <laughs> <laughs> we got China and Too Cool versus the Radicals, and Kane and Rikishi versus X Pac and Road Dog. Two kind of throwaway matches. Not much to say about either of those. Who would like to explain to our younger listeners who the Radicals were, why they had that gimmick, and when they came in? Uh, the Radicals were a quartet, quartet, yeah, quartet of technical wrestlers. So Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, a quartet of technical wrestlers in the cruiserweight, light heavyweight class of wrestlers who left WCW near the end of WCW's run for reasons of essentially we're sick of the old NWO people getting the main event and we're going to go. Move over to WWF. There was a very, very iconic shot of all the radicals slut in the front row of an episode of Raw. Dreadfully dressed, all of them. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were, yeah. Uh, and they came over as part of a, not quite invasion, but essentially just a stable of, we're amazing, 
ring wizards and we're here in WWF to just improve quality of the four. Eddie Gray was the most successful. Chris Benoit. We will not talk about him too much. He was separated from the other three quite quickly, yes. wasn't he, Benoit? Because he was, even though they all got jobbed out in their first matches, Benoit lost to Triple H. He was seen as, as the golden boy and Guerrero got injured really early as well, didn't he? So he, he missed a, a fair bit of time. They brought him in with Mick Foley was kind of... He'd brought them in. That was the storyline thing. And then they turned on him, went with Triple H, got kind of WWF'd. But yeah, I mean... Dean Malenko wins the light heavyweight title, which would eventually become merged with the cruiserweight title. Uh, Perry Saturn was always seen as a number two, eventually gets backstage heat and is saddled with a terrible gimmick with a mop. In the way I described previously that some wrestling matches are terrible at the sign-off, all, they're all amazing in the ring. Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho says Dean Malenko is one of his favorite ever wrestlers in terms of feuding with Dean Malenko. Is his top top? He's in his top five opponents of all time. I think it's Ultimo Dragon, Kenny Omega, Dean Malenko. I think, and then Angle. But he had no personality. No. Did he? That was the problem. No, with no Dean Malenko, uh, which, which oddly became sort of fun because he had what I call anti charisma. He's so boring. It's very fun putting a very intensely interesting person next to or around him, which is why him next to Eddie Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero next to Perry Saturn, Perry Saturn wearing a stupid hat, is very, very pleasing to me. Perry Saturn, an interesting one, Anton. He uh, went completely off the radar, didn't he, a few years ago? And uh, there's a really good episode of Jericho's podcast, actually, with him, where he, he describes how he basically got heavily addicted to crack and became homeless and was living with a woman and she died and whatever and had this horrendous time but he's kind of turned it around a little bit now it's it's really sad when you think that of the radicals there's dean malenko and everybody else is either dead or had major major problems in their life yeah and it's really weird to think that saturn's the forgotten one in the ring and he's kind of the forgotten one now. He's not even the most famous of the tragedies. Oh, good. I mean, that's, you know, guy can't get a rub, can he? <laughs> but um, I think, to mention it's Radicals versus Too Cool in China, this was China's match. So we talked last week about how China won the title at uh, WrestleMania 17 against, against Ivory, but this was her going in the ring, beating up the lads, you know, first rejecting the advances of Eddie Guerrero and then, you know, showing him what she can really do. This was, this for me, this is, this was, this was China's match. This was her, uh, this is her robust. And I find it really weird watching this and knowing that it then takes nearly two decades for them to start doing the whole women's revolution evolution thing because you've got China here. She's a superstar. She's got, She's hugely over. She's getting a huge reaction from the crowd. She's got men in the ring that will work with her. Why does it then take you 20 years to realise that your female talent can do this? I mean, if you compare it, well, not compare it to the cat fight, no one in the crowd really cared about that. The crowd is surprisingly dead, bearing in mind what that is. And if you're arguing that all a wrestling crowd is interested in seeing women as this titillation... You're not doing a very good job at that, but you are getting a great reaction from your female talent actually working. So what is wrong with you, WWF? Carrie and I had a discussion uh, in regards to intergender wrestling a couple of weeks ago uh, when Ellsworth was in the ring and Asuka soundly beat him up. Uh, and I said, intergender wrestling always made me feel uncomfortable. And Carrie very nicely 
made me talk through my stupid prejudices. Uh, and essentially, I never got awkward watching. I never felt uncomfortable watching a China match in intergenerous because China was never, ever, ever portrayed as anything other than utterly capable, which I think is a, a problem with a lot of WWE product, with a lot of how they put forward a lot of their women superstars. Um, China is legit, and it, it's never, ever put forward that she is not the smartest person in the room or not the strongest person in the room. And a large reason why DX worked is because China was their enforcer. And, and like the idea that she was the enforcer... China at the time was also getting mainstream crossover appeal. She was appearing in Third Rock from the Sun, which was Emmy-nominated sitcom at the time. And again, in, in there, she was very much like, oh my God, look at China. She's the most attractive woman in the room. Uh, Attention-grabbing. And there is a tiny part of my brain that makes me worry that it's taken so long for them to sort things out now because the first person to do it was China. And they didn't ever take her seriously. So therefore, they didn't ever take what that person brought to the table seriously. It's that oh, I'm very, very concerned that it's one of those, oh, yeah, well, my ex gave me all these very important things. So because they were my ex, I'm just going to throw them away immediately. And I'm like, no, 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 Listen to the pop. Um, I don't know, though, because we said last week about um, the way that China was kind of sent off and saying, look, here, here's your award. Here's your, here's your championship belt. Cheerio, thanks very much. And I think that's kind of a, a nod of respect that you don't often get if someone's leaving on acrimonious terms because you know what WWE are like, you know what Vince is like. They want to kind of humiliate someone even if they're going on reasonably good terms. So I don't know whether that's whether what you say is strictly true. I, I don't know. The, re- the reason that the women's evolution, revolution, or you know, women's wrestling has taken so long for it to be kind of promoted in, in, the, in the right way is because... WWE and a lot of people watching feel uncomfortable seeing women get beaten up. And they they can't handle. It. They can't get their head around. It. Even if it's other women beating up other women in in sort of the legitimate confines of the same way as the men, they still some people can't get their head around it. And WWE for a long time couldn't get their head around it. And it's interesting where you see the likes of Kairi Sane and Oscar, who before they joined WWE were in some of the most brutal mixed gender matches I have ever seen. And they've said, I wanna I wanna be in this match because I want to show I can take as much of a beating as anyone else. And I want to show, you know and the storyline needs me to get beaten up because and if I come back and I, you know, come back and beat them up, it it works. We're still nowhere near that. And so what do you do? What do you do? Because WWE will still say society isn't ready to see that. So you they have a parity where you know people beat up everybody because you know that's what that's what happens in the ring, or you or you have a storyline where or you don't have the storylines because they're terrified of anything looking like domestic violence. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Um, in terms of highlights, we do have some, Gary, on this show. Um, Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian. The Triangle Ladder Match, as they called it, the precursor to TLC. Um, this was the first one of this kind. They would spend the next 18 months trying to perfect it. Again, as we spoke about last week, lots of terrifying spots, but something that you can enjoy knowing that everybody's alive and with full use of their extremities. So far, yes. Um, yeah, it was it was good. I mean... I was watching this straight after having watched the next WrestleMania, which I'd watched previously. Um, yes, I kind of got myself a little bit mixed up in my head, though, because I was kind of thinking about what happens at the next WrestleMania as well. And so I was getting myself a little bit confused. But yeah, this is this is a good match. Um, I like watching Edge and Christian do this stuff most, I think, um, rather than their single stuff. And I like the fact that the Hardy Boys, as you, as we said previously, Matt is not in the greatest of shape now. And I like kind of watching this and, as you say, knowing that they're all kind of still alive and intact at the moment. And it's kind of seeing them at the pinnacle of their work. And, yeah, this is this is a good match, but it's in a terrible WrestleMania. And by this point, I was just thinking, I want all this to be over. <laughs> the other thing I like about this, Axel, is that... Uh, <laughs> is that... All six of these guys are still, and in some cases, like Christian Loosely, he's got a podcast, but they're all still involved in the business. There's no um, sort of disenfranchised, embittered, old, grizzled veterans here. They they still love wrestling. That's that's nice. Yeah, but I think these guys started as fans, so they didn't sort of, these aren't cross-sport people or, you know, these are the guys that went to the Indies or went to ECW or, you know, they, they, these are the guys that just did it for the love of it. And they, hence why they were in this kind of match early on. I don't think the, the crowd were entertained, but I don't think they realised what they were seeing at the time. This was going to be the precursor for well, a, a, a genre of match which would dominate WrestleManias for the future. This is This was a crucial point in WrestleMania history, this match. It was, but then you're kind of looking at it, again, we're looking at it with hindsight. It's kind of a baby step into that. It's not quite there yet. And also, I think it's interesting what you say about them starting as fans. I also get the feeling with these guys, they've always all, always been in control of what they do in their careers. They've not been under kind of Vince's thumb too much. They've kind of stepped back when they've needed to. They've rehabbed injuries when they've needed to. They've gone and ridden motorbikes in a really dangerous way when they've needed to if you're Jeff Hardy and I think that's also given them that kind of longevity. There was another pretty good match on this show, Triple Threat Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho for the IC and European titles the Euro Continental Championship as Kurt called it. Good story with the two belts, some decent work as you would expect, everyone goes on to bigger and better things <laughs> another uh, weekly shout out for for Kurt on the mic uh, his backstage bit where he's talking to the security guard about about protecting him from uh, women, children, babies and dogs. You'd be surprised. A lot of dogs come up to me too. It's like, oh, I love that guy. Shout out to Jericho as well, referring to Kirk Angel. That was always one of my, <laughs> uh, my favourite things. Um, this is, I mean, in terms of this WrestleMania, this is, this is like a six-star New Japan classic. But uh, was it good? Was it not? Um... It was okay. I mean, I found the kind of two full thing quite weird. I just find that a really weird stipulation and a really weird match structure. So explain that to people who haven't seen it, how they did it. So the first full um, was for the Intercontinental Championship and then the second full was for the European Championship. So it went on straight after the first pinfall and 
Yeah, it was just it was just a bit strange. But but, but the purpose of that presumably was so that Angle could have the get out of having lost both belts without ever being pinned. Yes. It's Bob Backman's fault, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. it was, yeah. It's all yeah. Backlund's fault, it's, yeah. It, it's, it, it's very unsure of itself as what it wants to be as a match. Mm. Um, it's very, everyone. It's a very poor triple threat based on the personnel in it. And it's got the same thing that is throughout this entire WrestleMania. They have weird rest holds and weird amounts of selling and very odd dead moments of time where I don't know if it's because someone's Mr. Q or if the cameraman hasn't quite worked out how to hide whiffy punches right now, but it it's the entire WrestleMania has a very slow plodding pace to it that I don't understand at all. What is this WrestleMania? I always think it's interesting as well when you see superstars relatively early on in their career and see which moves stick and which ones don't. So this time Jericho's winning with a lion sword. Edge is putting, you know, is, is when he's in singles or when he's in normal tag team matches, is using a spear, but it's just a normal move. It isn't his signature move, it isn't his finisher move. And you think watching, you watch the lion toll, it's just, it's just, you know, he just, it's, it's, it looks great, but it doesn't look painful, yeah. does it? It's, and you see, you know, you see um, Benoit getting, you know, shoulders three count. And you're like, well. Tap out, tap. He's just landed on you. Tap out. Come on. <laughs> just kick him off. Yeah. Um, here's a question for you, Anton. We're, we're saying that this wasn't maybe the greatest triple threat match. Wade Keller, the American wrestling journalist, is big on WWE having a year where they have no triple threat, fatal four way, no nothing. You can only have singles matches, tag matches, three on three. So equal you know, number of people in, in a tag situation or just a one-on-one. Is that something that WWE in 2018 would ever have the patience to see through? No. You need a variety in your product. Otherwise, it's the same. Otherwise, you know, you're just feuding against the same person or the same people all the time. You you need to break things up. You need to be able to infuse feuds together at some point. You need to be able to almost end a feud like you have with a sort of uh, money in the max, a natural end to uh, to to fuse and kind of you know people kind of go off in different directions afterwards. The pro- there's too much programming. There's too much the for it to have one on ones, two on twos, three on threes. You can't have that in the current state of WWE, in my opinion. But okay, well let's spin back to 2000 where we are now. Mentioned it, Carrie. Nine matches. One of them is a one on one match. You can go too far the other way as well, can't you? Yeah, I mean, the problem with WrestleMania is they always want to get as many people on the card as possible. So we saw last week with our 19-man gimmick battle royal. They want to get people on the big stage for the payday and the DVD sales afterwards. So, you know, your WrestleMania, your big pay-per-view events are always going to have your odd matches where you're throwing too many people in just because you want to get people involved in some way but should wrestlemania not be the carrot of if you work hard and have a good year we will put you on wrestlemania not you know you can just go on in the job of battle royal or whatever it should but the the economics of wrestling is broken Uh, you know there's no union there's no bargaining thing it's this is vince's way of being nice and two things i think we're well a couple of things we're learning as we go through wrestlemania backwards kurt angles the goat undertaker matches aren't as good as we think they are and also the Andre the Giant Battle Royale was a really good idea. Because like, it saved us because having it saved this kind of thing. this sort of weird mid-card stuff. There's a lot of matches in this stretch of Attitude Era WrestleManias where the feud is 
a week, maybe two weeks long, maybe even that night set on the episode of Heat, which is basically their pre-show of just, all right, there you are, there's a match, these two people hate each other. Because there is a weird, you know, Vince Russo, whether he's in the company or not, there's a weird car crash element to stuff, which when it works, works well. When it's not edited properly, it's just, what what's going on? This is entirely baffling. Let's go on to the main event, which was significant. It was a, a four-way it's the first ever WrestleMania where a heel won the main event. Who would have thought that that would be Triple H, eh? Just shocking stuff. So it was Big Show, who had Shane in his corner. Triple H, who had Steph, logically, in his corner. The Rock, who had Vince. And Mick Foley, who had Linda. Um, why is there a McMahon in every corner? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I think why. Whenever the ratings are in the toilet for Raw... They bring the McMahons out because they we are told that that is what the network thinks draws viewers. So is that just the catch-all excuse? Hey, we're good for ratings. Linda equals ratings. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's just peak attitude error excess. This should have been Triple H versus The Rock one-on-one one for the title. Those are your two biggest stars. This WrestleMania has no Undertaker, no Stone Cold. So your two big stars are Triple H and The Rock. You have the storyline about how they've fought all the way up the ranks, fighting for the Intercontinental title or whatever. You've got your face. You've got your heel. Go for it. But it's just needlessly complicated. I was watching this going, this is a terrible Fatal 4-Way. And then thinking about further, when has there ever been a good Fatal 4-Way? NXT has a particular... SummerSlam 2017? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, NXT, that, that was brilliant. NXT has a, a couple for uh, number one contender matches and SummerSlam. But other than that, Fatal 4 don't quite work in the same way that a triple threat does. And, and I have no idea. Why? Why? I'm just going, why? Carrie, you know what a Mick Foley mark I am? Um, he admitted in one of his... 13 autobiographies that he basically came back here for the money having retired a couple of months earlier in a great hell in a cell match with triple h um we got the awful sight of him trying to do that flying elbow onto the table missing it completely um he he said afterwards the first thought in his head was i don't think i'm going to make it to disneyland tomorrow um <laughs> he should have just said no to this shouldn't he? he he should have said i don't need the extra whatever it is hundred grand that badly or is that just not financially responsible to your own family? Do you have to do it? Because <laughs> um, you get a lot of money for that, wouldn't you? He would get. He would have got a lot of money for that. But I don't know. The entire thing, you can have watch it, and you think, well, Big Show and Foley are not going to win this. Neither of those two are relevant or germane to this match or story. Like Carl was just saying, it's it's about Triple H and The Rock. You've just got these superfluous two people there for the payday and there for the McMahon partner. It, oh no, it's terrible. You said it, but even but then the two guys who were front and center and of the company at the time, Triple H and The Rock, they couldn't even put each other through a table. <laughs> it took two attempts. <laughs> For for the rock to go through a table like, after after Foley missed, I like that how Foley elbow. missed and then Triple H went up to do it to sort of cover from Foley and, is, and messed it up. Well, um, there's a bit where Triple H has a chair and then goes to strike the rock who's holding still steps. So Triple H's chair connects with the rock still steps and it goes into the rock's forehead, and that just sums up this main event: just excess and nonsensical violence. The, the, the line the JR comes out with Jesus 
criminy because you can tell he's about to say Jesus Christ and he clearly doesn't want to be blasphemous on the air so just goes Jesus criminy like that's that's a phrase I, I think the best example of that was uh, Kurt's constant use of cripes or frighty <laughs> take some beating um, at what point Anton in The Rock's presidential campaign will his opponent bring out the footage of him beating up Stephanie McMahon at the end <laughs> Uh, well, if they've got any sense, day one. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's still odd. You still hear the references to taking people out to the woodshed and things like that. You're like, oh, someone had a troubled childhood, didn't they? <laughs> it's it's still, like Carl said, excess nonsensical violence on all quarters, isn't it, really? The only one that sort of avoids it is Linda. So, because no one wants to see, no, That's the line. No one wants to see Linda get hurt. And she went into the Trump administration. So, <laughs> you know... Not, it, it picks not, not up a nice little bit when it becomes a triple threat. And JR gives an amazing eulogy for Mick Foley when once Mick Foley's pinned. But it, it's so bad. And last week, Matt, you were talking about would it have been better if you had The Rock and Stone Cold in different eras? That's your answer. Stone Cold's not there anymore and look how everything's just... Ooh. So it's this mania with Vince... Turning, turning on somebody who is... Yeah. Happens again the next year. I Really? Is this like? Do we need this? Pretty much the same ending to Two Mania as well. That's, what? What is? What is the point? So when you see Vince McMahon in the ring with a chair, we know what's going to happen. It was really flat. I remember watching it at the time and thinking, because I'm a child, I'm upset that the bad guy won. But it, it wasn't that, was it? I mean, it, Carrie, if you can put your finger on why this show as a whole, not just the main event, was such a stinker, was it the absence of Austin and Taker? Was it the booking? Was it the McMahons? I think it's a combination of all those things. I mean, for me, I guess, watching this as a whole in one sitting, just watching it from the start, and I was just like, the whole Godfather thing, I'm just like, I'm not going to enjoy this. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. You've set the tone for what kind of show this is going to be, and it was, and it didn't really pick up after that. Amazing, Carl, that a year later we got WrestleMania 17. Yeah, just this is so plodding, and the main event of WrestleMania 17 is rapid which I'm assuming is the entire locker room going, what didn't work last year? Oh, okay, hell for leather this year. Attitude Era WrestleManias are interesting because they don't build to the WrestleMania in the same way that they do before or after. It's just very much Vince Russo just going through script after script after script after script after script and having those interconnected elements, which, again, when it works... Great, because everyone's got at least two things going on at the same time. When it doesn't, it as Kevin Nash once described, it's like ordering a pizza and getting a shoe. Yeah, you're surprised, but you're not going to order from that pizza place again. <laughs> but also, I mean, you look at I mean, we had SummerSlam <laughs> recently. They had eleven matches, and the bill was stacked. So if you weren't in, if you weren't in on the main event, there was something lower down you really wanted to watch. On this, you know, you look at it and you're like. Actually, what would I have been excited about if I wasn't inv- if I wasn't invested in the main event? What match would I have been invested in? And it's your biggest show. There should be things you should be looking forward to, and, and there should be variety, right? Yeah, exactly. Not just multi-person matches. Exactly. I think that's what WWE's clearly learned now. But at the time, it was all just throw everything at it, just throw everything at it because people love violence and carnage and boobs, and that's effectively what it was. And some people do, you know, in that order. Do you have a WrestleMania moment, Anton? Uh, it's the end of the ladder match where you've got Edge kind of standing on the two ladder on the two tables connected uh, across the ladders, 
and you've got uh, Christian who is clearly just a mess and broken and can't quite get his moment with the belt standing up next to Edge, which I think sums up their entire <laughs> career as well. <laughs> Carl? Um, it's the video game. WrestleMania 2000, the N64 video game, is the video game that got me into a lot of WWE. So I was a WCW baby, get to eat, and then one day went to my friend's house for a sleepover. He hands me WrestleMania 2000. We did the 30-man Royal Rumble where you pass the pad when your guy gets eliminated and it's that no mercy here comes the pain and other video games this one the WrestleMania was terrible the game that came out of it is transcendent Gary I know you'll be really cross that Carl's taking your moment but if you've got another one <laughs> um, the look of revulsion on China's face when confronted with the prospect of a sexually aroused Eddie Guerrero it's just an amazing facial expression <laughs> I wish Jerry Lawler didn't scream Latino heat repeatedly as well. Um, I can't pick a WrestleMania moment from this. It was rubbish. But maybe Kurt Angle saying that dogs really like him. <laughs> I think that, that sums up the show quite JR nicely. JR describing Rikishi as having challenging cheeks. <laughs> right, next week we're all over WrestleMania 15. Strapline, the raging climax. This is a weird company, isn't it? 35 seconds of Butterbean versus Bart Gunn in the Brawl for All, Stone Cold versus The Rock in the main event, and our first meeting with Owen Hart. It'll all hopefully be much better than what we've had to watch this time. Follow us at the PU Podcast or individually at Anchorman616, Carrie Sparkle, Sky Anton, and at Matt Davis FC. We'll see you next week, right back here in Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.